Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Rust Game Dev Podcast. Uh, today, I am super fortunate to be joined by Dustin, who is working on uh, AB Street. Uh, so, Dustin, if you could just give a little bit of uh, an introduction about you and your project, that'd be great. Hi, uh, and great to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me. Um, I'm Dustin, and I currently live in Seattle, Washington, uh, and I've been working on this project called AB Street for about two and a half years. Um, so, AB Street is uh, I guess we'll get into this a little bit between a game and kind of a real transportation planning software. But the idea is you can import a map using uh, OpenStreetMap and sort of simulate traffic in your city. Um, seeing a lot of details uh, with like individual uh, cars, bikes, pedestrians, and in the future, public transit. And the idea of the game is that uh, traffic problems occur both in, uh, in reality and in the simulation. And sort of the best people to address them are not necessarily trained professionals that work with the city, but uh, commuters who experience these issues every day. And so the game tries to to give you an easy way to edit lanes and intersections and uh, sort of solve problems that you you encounter either in real life or in the simulation. Awesome. And so uh, this is definitely a super cool project that I am really excited to talk to you about. Um, I remember seeing it in the Rust Game Dev newsletter for uh, quite a few months and then uh, seeing it grow super large on GitHub with over 5,000 stars right now. And so uh, from where you've uh, like sort of started out, um, like I, I understand like you, you, you've been working on this project because you're interested in it yourself, but um, were there any other motivations like related to any like uh, school project or research or any work that got you started on this? Because I, I think that when it comes to um, a lot of projects, we have our own passion, but then also sometimes there's like exterior motivations. And especially if you're integrating with something like um, like city maps and stuff like that, then uh, it, might, it might come up where uh, you, you were motivated by something uh, that, that the city might have done. Yeah, so I guess um, I'll give a brief uh, like history of, of the project. Um, back in college, I uh, I was near a a team working on autonomous cars for like the DARPA Grand Challenge, um, and I was kind of interested in this space. Uh, like coming into college, I was like I guess my entire life I've sort of been impatient and frustrated by traffic, um, and in college I kind of believed autonomous cars were the answer, and so uh, back then I like started this uh, research project with them. To, uh, to build a traffic simulation using OpenStreetMap. And it was kind of the, the precursor to AB Street in a lot of ways. Um, and I had a lot of fun building it out and kind of trying out academic research. Uh, but then I, I graduated and I moved to Seattle for, um, to work in software engineering. And uh, after a couple of years of that, like various things led me to, to kind of be uh, like dissatisfied with what the, the tech industry was doing and, and my like, particular job. Um, and at the same time, like a bunch of ideas for kind of going back to this uh, world of traffic simulation had been popping up. Um, and so uh, I guess the other mo motivating factor was after living in Seattle for a couple of years, I realized autonomous cars are probably not going to solve a lot of traffic problems. Um, and I'm, I got pretty passionate about a lot of these subjects. Like I'd like to see cities uh, become way less dependent on cars and um, make it much more friendly to, uh, to ride bikes and use public transit and just walk. Um, and like the barrier to that, at least in Seattle is, is often political. Like, uh, if you propose removing street parking and, um, building out biker bus lanes or something like that, uh, a lot of people kind of get in an uproar and from like looking at the discussion, part of it seems to be because they don't really understand the changes or they can't adequately like voice their, their feedback about the process. Um, and so AB street kind of came from all of these things, like wanting to, uh, to leave the tech industry for a while. And then also. Um, this interest from college and wanting to kind of make an impact around uh, Seattle. 
Yeah, I think that's super cool. Um, one of the really interesting parts is sort of integrating uh, where we have a lot of public service and a, a lot of like public uh, systems that are in place and being able to integrate uh, open source technologies into them. And so uh, with the uh, technologies that you're working on here, what kind of obstacles have you overcome from both a technical side, but also from, uh, like, as you mentioned, that political side, and maybe uh, what are your goals with um, what you're able to create and how it can affect, uh, like, a larger portion of the, 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 uh, the system overall? Um, yeah, so I guess maybe the, the second question first. Uh, so the, the, the moonshot goal in short is, like, you you play AV Street, you fix a problem in the in the game, and then you propose it to your local city council and say, like, hey, I experienced this thing in real life. Uh, I found a solution that works in the simulation. Like, have your traffic engineers study it and, and consider like doing it for real. Um, that's kind of like the moonshot vision. But I think it, there's a like quite a lot of uh, political hurdles and like also technical hurdles to get through first. Um, I guess in terms of uh, like technical hurdles, as related to like working with the public, um, a big one is about the amount of data available. Um, so I'm trying to like build a, a map that's as realistic to the world as possible. And at least in Seattle, like the OpenStreetMap data is really awesome uh, and has like detailed information about number of lanes and turn lanes and turn restrictions and like all this other stuff that uh, that's necessary. But then uh, some of the data isn't available. Like um, how are particular traffic signals timed uh, currently? Like the, the game kind of needs to know and simulate that. But uh, there's a lot of um, legalities and like politics behind getting this uh, to be public data. Yeah, so this is super interesting. I think that, um, so I, I booted up AB Street today to play around with it a little bit. And I think as sort of an experience, um, as, as like I've, I've seen images of the of the, of the project, but I've never really dove into myself. And so um, going in and taking a look and kind of just getting it to run a sandbox simulation of a city um, is very interesting because uh, I've played many games like City Skylines and um, other city builders in which I can see a lot of uh, traffic and pedestrians working their way around a city. Um, but this one felt super different in, in that it wasn't about the buildings that um, like the game was about or anything like that, or like setting up the, the, this, like the, the city in any way. But instead, I, I just saw it as if I was looking at like a Google map and I can just see traffic um, going back and forth. And so I think um, it's really interesting because as you zoom in, you are able to see a lot more of the streets and the sidewalks and um, how the like the just like the city blocks interact in general. Um, but what I'm sort of wondering is uh, when you're. Um, coming to sort of take this data from uh, open uh, street map and being able to implement it into the simulation. Um, I imagine that you get like a lot of like telemetry on like where corners are and how they sort of uh, connect to one another. So you get like some type of uh, graph based uh, data structure. Uh, but then from there, how do you go and represent the uh, sort of like the streets and the, the, the actual sidewalks and all of the lanes properly? Because I imagine there would be a lot of very interesting uh, methods to do that. Yeah, that's been one of the problems that uh, I think is like I've sunk the most time into, and it's it's kind of a really interesting problem, and I'm I'm not close to fixing a lot of really big problems. Uh, so OpenStreetMap basically does hand you a graph structure where um, you have the like roads and intersections and attributes on the roads uh, saying the the number of lanes each direction, and you know whether there's like a bus lane and whether there's a sidewalk, things like that. Um, transforming this into the representation AB Street uses is like this multi multi step pipeline. Um, and like one of the hardest problems is, is the simplest, which is just like coming up with the geometry of everything. So like, um, if you like know where a, a particular segment of a road is located, uh, like OpenStreetMap will tell you the, the center line and it'll give you an estimate of the number of lanes. 
um, it's kind of like up to heuristic to figure out how wide those lanes are um, and then sort of project them out and get the, or like project away from the center line and get the like exact geometry of it. Um, and then like the, the, the harder thing that you have to build on top of that is figuring out the, the shape of intersections. Um, and this gets really complicated when you have like a lot of roads uh, meet at like more than a four-way intersection. Um, when some of the roads are kind of offset from each other. And so if you like poke around AB Street for any length of time, you'll find like all of these uh, like Lovecraftian polygons um, happening at these weird intersections where like the, the inferred polygon is just completely ridiculous looking because the like heuristic isn't that good. Yeah, interesting. Um, because I, I think when you look at it from the surface, uh, you don't necessarily see all of these uh, intricate sort of areas where stuff might go wrong, or you, you have these edge cases. Um, but then when you do have to interact just from a graph, you do have to make it quite uh, like able to just handle any any situation you throw at it. Um, and I guess as you have your, I, I suppose you can call them agents moving around the map, whether they be um, pedestrians or uh, cars or anything like that. Um, and you're, you're sort of like going through this simulation. Are there any like strategies that you have to use to set, like make their AI any different, whether it comes to like pathfinding or just what their objectives are? Um, or is it, is that like one of like, maybe like the most standard, like the easiest part of the project just because it's so well-defined? Um, in some sense, yeah, this is kind of the easy problem, but it, it it's only easy because I'm, I'm like punting the hard problem to, to other tools and to other groups. Um, so the like the input into the traffic simulation is kind of this list of agents and their their schedule through the day. So like, you know, person one starts at, at their house uh, and at 7 a.m. They, they like go to their work building um, and like the input sort of says they, they drive or they bike or they walk or whatever else. Uh, and just like from that, I have to, I have to simulate it. Um, and choices like pathfinding are, are very simple right now. Like most agents are taking the, the fastest route um, not taking into account traffic and also like not taking into account um, like things like safety and stuff. So like there's also no elevation data. So basically like a lot of unrealistic things happen where like cyclists will will go up the steepest hill and bike on really busy roads. Um, and like a lot of this AI isn't really uh, like the heuristics aren't very smart yet. And those are things that we're like constantly trying to improve. Um, but like one of the, the reasons, so uh, this problem is kind of very hard if you if you don't have somebody feed you this as input, um, because you have to kind of like generate a, a synthetic population of people that like live in this slice of the city that you've carved out, um, and like figuring out how many people like live in a particular residential building and, and work at a certain place. Like, there's uh yeah like from the urban planning perspective, like this is a very hard problem. It's an entire research field and stuff. Yeah. So on the topic of that, um, when it comes to sort of what you're, what you're accomplishing, you're, you're kind of uh, definitely making use of a lot of ideas and technologies and research that's already uh, there. But um, of stuff that you're implementing, do you find it to be uh, something that like maybe you'll have someone come in from your community and be able to contribute because they have maybe like they're working on like their master's or a PhD in somewhere in like the maybe civil engineering field or city planning or anything like that? Or are you yourself going and finding any like novel research papers? Um, I'm actually not having to do much of the like literature finding myself. Um, a few other people have joined the project that are uh, like already working in in this space, either from the like GIS perspective or the like geography urban planning perspective. Um, and a few of them have kind of found the project over the years, and uh, they they bring forward their ideas, and um, I'm kind of the person that implements them and, and you know gets to bring them to life. Uh, and that's kind of an ideal world for me because I, I enjoy this research, but I don't enjoy uh, like diving too, too far into the details. I just want to like tie everything together and, and see it run in a simulation. 
Yeah, definitely. I can imagine someone just coming in with their 400 page book of city planning and how to follow the rules of the road or anything like that. And although I think that there's a lot of people who for them, that's like, uh, like what they, they've spent like their life on practicing and learning. Um, I think being able to use them, uh, or like, sorry, rather, like uh, work with these people, uh, not necessarily use them, but uh, uh, be able to work with them for their knowledge that they have specialized in for so long, um, is definitely one of the, the great benefits of an open source project where anybody can come in and contribute to it. Um, and so in in terms of the open source, uh, so you you started this project yourself, and uh, as you mentioned, you're sort of like the lead developer on it. But uh, what does the other team structure look like within uh, the project? So a couple of years ago, uh, in Seattle, there was like a, a local um, civic tech hackathon group called Democracy Lab, and like civic tech is sort of a, a branch of software that um, or it's where people try to build software for the public good. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff, for example, to like monitor um, election data and like what uh, political candidates say and, and things like that. Um, but I found this group and started going to their hackathons and through that gathered uh, a few people. Um, two of the other main developers of AB Street are uh, Michael Kirk and Yuen Lee. Um, I think Yuen joined first about a year ago. She's a, 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 UI, a UI and UX student at uh, the University of Washington. And like before she got to, to AP Street, uh, I'll send you screenshots of what it looked like a couple of years ago. Um, the, the interface was like a complete mess. Uh, like it's not just that it didn't look good visually, like it didn't even make sense how to use it. Um, all of the like tools were kind of like everything you could possibly do in the game was just thrown at you in, in one screen. Um, and there, there was no like coherency to it at all. Uh, and so like getting her experience has been like completely invaluable for uh you know, for, for getting the game to the, to the point where it is now. Um, and then Michael also joined um, maybe about like a half year ago uh, through one of these hackathons and is now um, just like a part-time developer uh, working on a lot of the like UI libraries and stuff. Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely awesome to hear that you have lots of different people with their different uh, talents here on the team. Um, when it comes to sort of like describing AB Street, we've described it, uh, I think, think we've gone back a lot and forth between it being like a something that should be regarded like as a professional application versus like regarded as a game. Um, and so I'm kind of just wanting to dive into each of those sides. So first of all, within like the, let's, let's go like the application side, the professional side. Um, as you mentioned, you want this to be something that you can bring to uh, the city council and have um, the city council be able to sort of look at it and believe that it is something that is uh, sort of, uh, like a strong enough simulation to be able to represent something within their city. Um, and so as an application, what are your sort of um, views on the, the path that you'll need to take to maybe uh, make it more accessible to either certain people or to um, uh, different, uh, like people with different experiences or knowledge, um, or uh, just like in, in general, what kind of stuff would uh, need to be improved for the professional side of AB Street? Um, there's a lot of big gaps in the simulation itself that I think first have to be addressed before uh, anybody anybody from government would like really take it seriously. Um, a couple of the problems are uh, the ones that I mentioned, where like the the routing that agents take is is very unrealistic. Um, another is that there uh, like certain gaps in the simulation, like um, vehicles can't overtake somebody uh, in the front that's going very slowly. So. Um, you often see like a lot of cars stack up behind a single bike, even though there's room to pass. Like the the lane changing gets very complicated to simulate properly, um, and uh, yeah. So I issues like this, I think, um, often cause like gridlock. If you run any of the big maps uh, with like a, a large scenario for long enough, um, usually around six a.m., there's just like a complete breakdown of of the whole city, uh, and like vehicles are stuck and like can't make progress, and it's just because of some bug. 
Um, so I think a lot of those bugs have to kind of be fixed before this could be used for the real planning applications. Um, but my hope is that like the like making a realistic traffic simulation is is just like too big of a problem, and like companies have have dumped like lots of resources into doing this professionally. Um, I don't think I'm trying to compete with that. What I want is to make something that's like so easy for anybody to use that it's at least a, converse, a conversation starter. Like for a city to like study some particular transportation plan using the professional stuff, like they have to to pay a lot of money and spend a lot of time doing it. Um, and so a lot of conversations don't even start about like projects that might happen. Um, and I hope AB Street is sort of like a rapid prototyping tool uh, in, in that in that regard. Yeah, I think that's definitely a, a very good goal to have um, to not necessarily or ra rather know ahead of time that you're not going to try and compete with these uh, the, these large products that have to follow a lot of regulations and be done in a very specific way. And because of that, take super long time to make and so on and so forth, but instead um, design it as a proof of concept for anybody who wants to play around with uh, this this type of um, city building kind of, kind of thing. And so um, if so, the version that I used was exported to Linux. But what other uh, platforms are you intending and targeting? Um, so it also runs on uh, Mac and Windows. Um, this is thanks to like the GitHub workflows um, being able to just like have a runner on all three platforms and like compile it for uh, for all three places. And then by complete accident, uh, it also runs on the web. So like when I started the project, I was kind of like thinking about whether people would actually like be willing to install software to try it, uh, but like I wasn't thinking about web in the beginning, but I think it was only um, like about a year ago, last January, uh, when I saw that like the the web support landed on the the Winit project for um, doing like window management. And at that point, I got kind of curious because I knew like Rust compiles to WebAssembly, um, but at the time I was using a an OpenGL library called Gleam, uh, and it didn't seem to work on the web. And so um, I switched to uh, GL on whatever like the the Glow library. Um, and like, aside from a few other kinks, like kind of got it to run on, uh, on web, the, like the file system, um, access on web is like a, a big complicated story. That's still kind of getting hashed out, but, uh, like surprisingly the, I think this has taken off a lot faster because it, because it is on web. And in terms of platform support, I guess I'll mention that like a lot of people have kind of brought up the idea of mobile, but I don't think that's, uh. That's something that we're going to work on anytime soon. Like the the user interface is very complicated, and I kind of think you need like a mouse and keyboard. Like AB Street on a phone is just a is just a bad idea. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, definitely. Well, I think it's very cool to hear that um, you're able to quickly hot swap uh, whatever you whatever backend crates you're using and quickly deploy to the web. That's a definitely a, a pretty big uh, success story when it comes to uh, like the WebAssembly uh, compilation target of Rust. Um, and then on mobile, I think, uh, so a program like this on mobile, um, actually, let's just dive into the game side, because I think I'm going to hop onto this too quick anyways. But uh, so we, we talked a little bit about the professional side there. Um, with the game side of AB Street, um, uh, it, it, when I look at this, I see Mini Metro, I see um, uh, cities uh, like Skylines, I see a lot of different uh, of these like builder type of games, um, or at least a, a simulation game that you can really add a lot of simple mechanics to quite quickly and make a pretty, pretty unique game um, with the backend that you have. And so I'm kind of wondering, what are your thoughts on uh, what you've been trying to sort of accomplish and maybe how it's um, been able to diverge down the path of professional software as well as uh, a video game? So like, although I've spent a lot of time uh, like watching game design videos, like there's a series on YouTube called Mark Brown uh, that, I, that I enjoy a fair bit, Game Maker's uh, Toolkit. 
um, I guess like my own strength in game design is uh, is quite weak right now. So like AB Street as a game, as it is currently, like there are a few sort of challenge modes baked in where it's like, oh, you know, you there's somebody uh, who's who's come to the city council and like bribed them to make their own personal commute as good as possible. So just like focus on this one person and like speed things up as, as much as possible for them, uh, like at, at, at whatever cost to other people. Um, and like simple stuff like that, I've, I've tried to like put a little bit of storyline around it to kind of make it feel like a game, but it, it, it hasn't really worked. Um, we have some more ideas for stuff like this where uh, like the the sort of city will, will come to you as a traffic engineer, like the, you, the player, and ask you to, to like solve a particular problem. And then like the requirements will keep changing and it'll keep getting more complicated, um, you know, and then like construction, like a road will suddenly be under construction. You have to, you have to deal with it and work around it. But um, a lot of this right now is still kind of just an idea, like, uh, I think AB Street, as it currently stands, is sort of like an open-ended sandbox um, without much of a without without much direction to it. Um, but uh, we we did we have been experimenting. So last December, um, we took about a month and like took a break from AB Street and the the few people that I work with. Uh, we built this thing called Fifteen Minute Santa, which I can definitively say is a game and is not a planning tool. Um, it's a it's like a little arcade game where uh, Santa has to like deliver presents between houses or deliver presents to houses, and um, we use data and some guesses about how about like housing density to where like you you get more points if you deliver to apartments versus like single family homes, um, and then like the Santa gets hungry uh, after some time and so you have to like refill from the nearest food store, um, but if there's like no restaurants or cafes or grocery stores nearby you have to like travel really far. Uh, to refill and so it's it's kind of a statement about like zoning law and land use and stuff um and that actually is a game uh that's that's like finished in some sense nice nice that's uh i think a pretty good way to go is kind of just like take a little break do a little bit of a game jam uh see what you can come up with um and i, I think that games in general uh especially when it comes to tools like this uh games are a really great and interactive way to do a lot of teaching into a lot of subjects and so um well, if I'm coming out the perspective from like uh, maybe like a few different points in my life, like let's let's say I was like a, a kid and I was able to play with AB Street, boot it up on my web browser, um, pop in my my hometown, and then start playing around with uh, how traffic moved. Um, I think that this would give me a lot of insights that I wasn't able to have because there was there weren't simulations like this. And even as a sandbox, you can definitely get a lot of the like this type of. Uh, sort of practice and in, uh, in, insights into how all of these like larger systems work together. Um, and so I, I think it's definitely exciting to hear that uh, you're kind of trying to keep this in mind. Like um, what if this is a tool and the goal of this tool is to be usable by anyone and anyone can prototype with it and everybody's able to interact with it uh, without much difficulty, then what types of things need to get them to the point where they're able to do that? And so, um, yeah, I, I think... Uh, so sort of going and implementing a lot of this yourself can definitely like uh, be quite a lot. But what I'm uh, thinking is that like if you're able to separate sort of like the, the back end of the um, of what AB Street is. And so it, you do have that core of like the city moving and the systems and everything like that. But then allow for a more customizable and modable front end. Um, then I wonder if uh, you'd be able to pretty easily have any type of 
uh, content go in, um, whether it be like some type of story or some type of uh, like just training uh, lesson or something like that. Um, and so like sort of with the architecture of how AB Street is built, do you, and, and this comes back to like when you were mentioning mobile, um, if you're able to build like a completely unique front end for all of the, every, everything that's going on in the back end, um, then on mobile, you can make an interface that maybe only has like three buttons on the, the game that you just have to like make super simple choices, but you get to see a simulation play out um, in real time or something like that. And so with like, like the modularity of AB Street, do you think that this is a possibility or is it pretty locked into uh, the way that it's set up right now? Um, I think this kind of thing could work, and I, I really like the idea of it. Um, the way the like code is sort of architected now, the um, all this like the stuff that handles uh, traffic simulation and like representing the map, that's kind of like a you know it, it doesn't know anything about the user interface. Um, and then a lot of the like UI libraries that we're using um, are kind of uh, like making assumptions um, that I think would also still work on mobile. But yeah, like the there's there is sort of like one front end application that kind of ties everything together. And that's the thing that might have to, to be swapped out for these like alternative experiences. Um, I wouldn't say it's like easy to, to kind of like mod as it is now, um, but like potentially we could extract more and more tools into like some of the common libraries that, that they could be uh, reused from different front ends. Um, and, and to that end, like one thing that we're uh, looking into doing right now is coming up with this like interactive blog post type thing where we would uh, like make some, some argument about, about something specific in Seattle uh, and like have AB Street kind of running in a, a small piece of the browser, um, but not like the full UI, just like very, very simplified to, to make a certain point. That is a super interesting idea. I've been, I, I really like the idea of what's called like explorable explanations in which you get some article that's on the internet normally comes in like a blog sort of format. But um, as you like are reading through it, there's interactive portions that you can um that, that you can do stuff with. And so uh, one of my favorite ones is uh, Red Blob Games by Amit Patel, uh, in which uh, they go into depth in all of these different game dev topics. But as you're going through, you're able to play with, like maybe it's A-Star Pathfinding, you're able to play with the map as uh, as if you were the ones like, to place down the walls and see how it interacts with it. And so I think um, absolutely, like if there was a way to sort of have uh, a B street running well, you're reading through this blog about transportation and how pedestrians are like more effective on bikes. Maybe they even do like a, a comparison between somewhere like Amsterdam versus uh, Seattle for like uh, um, cyclists, then that would be a very cool way to see a lot of this data in real time, instead of just seeing an inter- infographic on the, like a static infographic on the, on the blog post. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that, that that's definitely something that's super exciting. Um, with, with that, do you have like a, a timeline on what you're looking at for that? Because I'd really love to see a prototype of that. Um, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Red Blob Games. Uh, I literally learned a star from from that article uh, like many, many years ago. Um, so I, I love that site very much and like owe a fair bit to it. Uh, yeah, I guess um, in, in terms of timeline on the, the like the blog post, we have a few uh, particular ideas that we want to try exploring um, possibly in like the next few months. And so there's some stuff around Seattle where like they're opening up a new... Uh, a new a new um like sports stadium called climate pledge arena which uh is like quite the bold name um uh considering the fact that like they're building all of this like new parking uh like parking garages to support all of the people like driving to the to the stadium um and so that that kind of goes against the spirit of the name and so we want to like come up with uh like there there's some local advocacy groups here like arguing for some different changes and like prioritizing the the way that people arrive at the stadium differently um, and I think like making a, a blog post that kind of like explores a few of those alternative scenarios and like 
shows people, you know, visually like a lot of dots moving around and, you know, kind of getting congested or not versus like arriving on the monorail. Um, I think this kind of thing uh, is like one of the most exciting like advocacy cases that we that we're going to explore in the next few months. Yeah, I think that that's that's really amazing to hear sort of that deep dive into um, not even just necessarily making something to show off to a city council, but making something that the public can go and really learn a lot from. Um, and yeah, that, that's a very ironic name that they have for uh, for this this new sports complex. I think, uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, being able to see how uh, sort of everything would go together would be very, uh, very interesting for that. Um, and I think even like, I, I don't know how many people... Uh, you'd be able to like get in on this blog post, but if you, if you could get some people from like a lot of different uh, professions being able to kind of give insight into, into this, that would be very, very cool. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a, a, a sort of a great direction. I, I love this idea of uh, um, interactive uh, explorables and yeah, I, I think many of us in many game dev communities have come from uh, red blob game blogs. And so that's very cool to hear. Um, doing a little bit of a deep dive now into a little bit more of like the, the tech that you use. So you, you mentioned that, um, oh, of course you're using Rust, you're using, uh, 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 Glow, I guess, for the, uh, the graphics backend, but, um, are there any other interesting, uh, maybe systems that you're using, uh, that are, well, I, I think with a lot of better games, you've heard of like the entity component systems that are being used, um, uh, and, and maybe some, some other ways of representing data or representing, um, like, I suppose like in, in your case, maybe how files are loading and stuff like that. Um, and so uh, for AB Street, what kind of stuff are uh, you making use of in the Rust ecosystem? Um, so there's actually no use of entity component systems. Uh, like I'm aware of the idea and I've kind of played around with it before, but I'm not sure how it would kind of uh, like apply in a lot of the traffic simulation case. Um, but yeah, so I guess some of the, uh, some of the interesting libraries are um, like the UI story. So uh, like way back when I started, the, the very first version used the like piston engine. Um, to do drawing, but uh, like I, I think I hit some limits um, with that pretty soon, and uh, that's when I switched over to like doing raw OpenGL with through Gleam. Um, and actually, uh, like one of the weird technical directions that we ended up going early was uh, like at some point we had um, in the like UI library that uh, we were kind of building up for the game, there was like a way to represent text and a way to like represent normal uh, polygons that you would like draw to the map. Uh, but they they were kind of like two different entities, and so layering them on top of each other was was really complicated. Like there are a bunch of bugs with the ordering um, of trying to like draw road names and like have the have the text appear like between the road and the agent uh, driving on top of it. Um, and so at some point, uh, I discovered a couple of crates. Uh, there's someone Razor Falcon who who's built this like micro SVG crate uh, that takes uh, any like SVG graphics file and um, turns it into this like simplified uh, simplified form. And then there's a project that I think is associated with like the Mozilla Pathfinder thing uh, called Leon. And it'll take this, it'll take the output of uh, micro SVG and then like tessellate it and just give you like polygons that you could uh, directly up upload to the GPU. Um, and so one of the consequences of this is that like a while ago, uh, we, we sort of switched the text rendering to be completely vector based um, by, uh, by using all of these crates together. Um, which is kind of kind of crazy. I think like most games will um, like load each glyph uh, from text to the GPU and sort of like copy it over every time they need it. Um, but like we're we're doing everything on the CPU and just like uploading the the tessellated polygons, uh, and like somehow the the performance is is good. Um, and all of this also like works on the web, uh, beca because of this like amazing effort by um, by Razor Falcon to port the um, the Hearthbuzz shaping engine which is like used sort of for uh, 
some details of like drawing text. Um, he, he like ported this from, uh, from C or C++ to, to like pure Rust. And so uh, it compiles to WebAssembly and like everything also works on the web, which is like just completely amazing. Definitely uh, some, some pretty interesting insights there. Um, I haven't done too, too much with uh, a lot of graphical background, uh, rather backends and like different different engines and stuff like that. But I, I think uh, definitely, I, I, so one, one thing we've discussed a few times in this podcast is as you go through a lot of development um, in sort of a Rust in the, in the game dev uh, field, um, you find what you need as you start to need it. And, and rather, if you go and look at um, a lot of just like what's the best entity component system in Rust, and you're like, I got to use this entity component system, and I have to make sure that the like it's an entity component system, everything's based on it. Then you're you're going in without any insight on what you actually need, and trying to take um, probably taking a lot of things out of context of what they're actually used for uh, and, and useful for and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think that's definitely a, um, pretty cool that you sort of hear how you've uh, migrated over time with this. Now, I. Uh, so as we uh, finish up the podcast here, I'm kind of uh, one, like one big question that, of course, like uh, we always ask every project is like, uh, so first, of course, like, why did you choose Rust? But also um, while working on this project, what types of things have you found that worked super well for you in Rust that maybe have been very complex or difficult in other languages in the past? Um, so I didn't choose Rust for any uh, particularly good reason. I like at the time of starting AB Street, I just um, wanted to to play around with this new language that um, I've kind of been seeing a lot of articles about. Uh, and yeah, like the the initial experience of using it was was so good that I just kind of kept going. Um, but one of the big benefits I think is the like this is a case like writing a traffic simulation is absolutely a case where performance kind of matters. Uh, the project that I did in college was using Scala, um, and garbage collection like actually was a problem. Um, there like came a point when I was trying to like speed up the performance and like uh, because the simulation would like create and destroy so many like short-lived objects as it like asks each, each uh, agent to like do stuff in the simulation. Um, like there, there were just like memory issues that I like, I felt like I had very little control over. Um, and in Rust, it kind of feels like I don't have to, to think about this at all. Like once I got my head around the borrow checker, which like admittedly took a while, um, like the, the performance basically came for free. Like by, by default, things are just like blazingly fast. Um, and yeah, I guess like, as I mentioned before, the other like big benefit of using rest, um, has been the, the fact that it like compiles to WebAssembly and all of this just like also runs on the web. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say those are uh, probably the two big things. Yeah. So I think that it's definitely interesting to hear where people come from in rest and like kind of what led up to it, because there's a lot of different areas in which, uh, memory management will play a, a super big effect in the, in our projects, I think. Um, and, and of course, like there's, there's always reasons to use different languages and stuff like that, but, uh, yeah, it's super cool to hear that. Uh, I mean, just like of what has been given to you for like the web assembly and stuff like that, that, uh, um, it works out pretty well. All right. So Dustin, uh, thank you so much for coming on to the Rust Game Dev podcast today and talking to us about, uh, AB Street. Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, it was, it was great to be here and to try the uh, podcast format instead of just recording talks all the time. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, you bet. Uh, so everybody, we will see you next time on the Rust Game Dev Podcast. Bye.